Good evening, Airmen of Troy, and welcome to another episode of Sound Off, Leadership Lessons with the Airmen of Troy. Our mission here is to inspire and develop future leaders of the Air Force and beyond. I'm Cadet Fuentes David. And I'm Cadet Shin. And today's guest is First Lieutenant Torian DiBartolo. Hey, nice meeting you all. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, um, sir. So just some background questions. Uh, where are you originally from? Yeah, so I'm from Sacramento, California. Uh, so kind of NorCal, kind of Bay Area, depends on how you look at it. Um, and then I went to college at Cal Poly Pomona over in Southern California. And I crossed town to USC for ROTC. Hey, interesting, interesting. Um, so guess basing off of that, what led you to the decision of joining Air Force ROTC? Uh, so I got a few members in my family who were in the Air Force. Uh, my uncle was probably or definitely the most influential member of that. Uh, he just always seemed to have his life together, super squared away, uh, traveled the world, had all these worldly experiences. And I thought that was so awesome. Um, you know, when you're just looking for role models as a kid or something like that, um, someone in the Air Force seemed like a good person to aspire to be. And so that's what really piqued my interest at an early age. And then I started getting all these ideas like, oh, I could be a pilot or I could be an astronaut or a doctor for the military and stuff. Um, and there were just so many opportunities that seemed to be offered through the Air Force that I was like, it's worth a shot. I mean, to be honest, uh, even graduating high school, I didn't even know the difference between enlisted and officer. So I was like, this has, you know, the word Air Force on it and it's at my school. So I'm just going to go there and see what it is. Uh, one thing led to another and now I'm here. Interesting. So I guess... In reference to your experience in ROTC, you you just said that you didn't really know exactly every little detail about Air Force ROTC. How exactly was that process, like figuring it all out within Air Force ROTC? Like, did you get a lot of help or ask reach out for a lot of help from the cadre and the POC? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I showed up day one uh, with my roommate at the time and both of us had no idea what we were doing, didn't know what building to go to or anything like that. Um, just kind of typical lost AS100s. And uh, you kind of learn that it's just like a really prolonged, you know when you trip and you're just falling for like 10 seconds before you finally hit the ground? It's kind of like that. Where it's like you're just fumbling through it until eventually you start to get your footing back and you start to figure out how things go. Um, it definitely took a lot of both peer mentorship and mentorship from the cadre to sort of figure out where I fell into, you know, that, like what my piece of the puzzle was. Um, and I learned that I had a lot of growing to do as a leader, as a professional and as a person that was going to make me a little more capable at getting through those days. Um, so just being humble, uh, which was a tough lesson for me, learning to ask for help and ask for advice and not just try to say, like, Oh no, I got it. I can do it myself. Um, that really carried me through. And it probably wasn't until I was like after field training that I figured that out. So you wow. definitely have time to figure all of that stuff out. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my experience. I was a kind of reserved, quiet, maybe a little, little cocky uh, GMC. And then I had to be brutally humbled and it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned um, sort of just that uh, realization of having to ask for help and not getting through it alone. 
Uh, do you have any other specific moments or lessons that you learned through Air Force RTs that sort of defined you as that leader and helped you grow? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, probably comes as no surprise, but field training is a huge opportunity to learn from other people and to grow as a person. Um, again, going into field training, I kind of thought that I had it all figured out. You know, I did um, Civil Air Patrol for like a year and a half, so I thought I was like the coolest guy in school. Um, but then you get there and you realize that everyone is really good. I mean, that's why they're there. And the Air Force attracts very capable people and very intelligent people. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, not to, I guess, insult anyone, but you're not that special. There are a lot of people out there that are just as capable as you and just as intelligent as you are. Um, so where you need to focus on standing out is, is how you help others and how you support your team. Um, the field training was a, a great opportunity for that. I was thrown into an environment with a bunch of strangers in a place that I'd never been, a climate that's way too hot and humid for my blood. And we were just yelled at and screamed at and everything was a team environment. And admittedly, you know, probably for that first few days, I was like, how am I going to stand out? I want to be the squadron commander or I want to, you know, be the flight commander or whatever. I got to make sure everyone knows my name. Uh, but that's not what distinguishes people. Um, what distinguishes people is noticing, hey, this cadet in, like in my flight is having a really hard time right now. They're, you know, they're just not really acclimating to the stress or they're homesick or they, you know, they might not know their knowledge or something like that. There's a way that I can help them um, and it costs me nothing and it benefits them and the team. So field training was a great lesson and that you have that opportunity to recognize a lot of that those moments and sort of take yourself outside of your comfort zone if that's not what your your forte is to sort of chase after those opportunities. But um, more importantly, and I, I won't belabor this too long, there was a guest speaker, unfortunately I can't remember the name of him, but it was in my last year of RTC who I thought was just the coolest guy on the planet. He was like a former FBI agent and he would like go undercover with he said gangs and stuff, and he would have the FBI supply him cars and weapons and all. It was it was insane. Um, and he used to get a lot of criticism for working in an industry that at the time many of his peers believed to be not in support of him. Um, so they were kind of viewing him as almost a traitor, like going against his own team. And when he brought this issue up to his dad, this is a story that he told us, when he brought this issue up to his dad, who he respected a lot, um, he's like, what should I do? His dad just said, you can't change a castle from outside of the moat. I remember that quote resonated with me. And I, I mean, you know, four years later, it's still something that I think about very actively of um, if you want to enact change anywhere or inspire people to you know, be better or be different, or if you have an idea that you want to incorporate, you can't do that by just shouting from outside of the building. You know, you need to involve yourself in that program. You need to get to know the people that are making those choices or get to a position where you can make those choices yourself with the right counseling and the right guidance um, that you can be the influence that you're looking for. Just to um, follow up on what you said, I, I'm curious about how, what kind of advice you you'd have for a GMC, because you said that you sort of figured this all out during um, field training. So for us GMC, especially those who started during quarantine and had some trouble forming those connections, um, 
just from your perspective and your own experience as a GMC and then finding all that out during field training, what kind of advice would you have for GMC who um, don't really know how to apply that into like their ROTC life and how they interact with their fellow cadets? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I would say really just like don't stress too much. And I know that that's kind of easy to just take at face value and be like, well, you know, how can I not? Um, and I certainly understand you have your college classes going on, you know, PT might be a struggle for people or the academic portion or what have you. Um, unfortunately, I can't relate to the quarantine aspect or the COVID aspect as that wasn't around um, when I was going through, but I can, you know, understand that that's probably a challenge, but at the end of the day, everyone there is just another human being. They're all in, if not an identical, a very similar situation as you, uh, you're all going to class you're all tired, you're all trying to figure out your grades and your PT and what you know AFSC you want to get. Everyone is going through the exact same experience at the same time, which is a really rare opportunity, I think, um, that really needs to be appreciated before you leave college because it's not as common once you're out of there where you're in a group of all the same age group, everyone pursuing the same thing. Um, so just kind of, you know, maybe step outside of your comfort zone and reach out to people. And it could literally just be an email or something to be like, Hey, you know, who wants to grab lunch or something or breakfast before lead lab? Or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm hosting this thing on Friday. Who wants to swing through something like that? Really just go out of your way to form those connections um, as friends rather than as, you know, one cadet to another, because you'll form lifelong friendships. Like I, you know, Literally today, I'm still hitting up people that were in my AS100 class on a regular basis. And it wasn't because, you know, we had to figure out this GLP or something like that. It was because through those actions, we became friends and we learned how to go beyond just being, you know, cadets in the same flight and actually become human beings who are, you know, pursuing the same goal. So... Yeah, again, I would just say really, really go out of your way, like make a conscious effort to extend that hand out to people and say, hey, let's get together. Let's tag up. Let me just learn about you. Let's go paint bowling. Let's go bowling or, you know, something like that. Uh, just get to know the people that are going to be in that same situation as you for the next two or three years. Um, because, I mean, that's all you have there, you know, So might as well get to know them all. Yeah, I definitely agree with the idea of just trying to make those connections. Speaking of those, do you have any like sort of favorite memories or moments with other cadets in Dead Sexy or maybe even during uh, things such as field training? Oh yeah, there's so many. Um, I mean, my my humor might be a little cynical, so I don't know if it would be as great for everybody. But uh, I just remember there was this time at field training where you know, of course, we were getting yelled at for something. Um, I think we failed like a dorm inspection or something. And um, they made us PCS. They made us pack up all of our stuff in like a time limit into our bags. And then we had to put it on our backs and march around forever. And then get back into like the dorms and unpack again in the same time frame. Um, and... It was late at night. It was like the end of the trading day. So we were exhausted. We were dehydrated. We were tired. 
and this one that's when all this starts happening and as we're marching our stuff's on our backs and we're like hunched over because it's so heavy the national anthem starts of course we have to stop <laughs> again it might be rude but i just remember we were stopped there and the national anthem was playing and it was getting dark i could just hear people like crying behind me i was like this really sucks a lot and i was like but what do you think about it it's really funny well um like when you look back at it maybe i probably wasn't laughing at the time but uh it's those kind of moments where it's like hey remember that time that this thing really sucked you know a year later it's like that was kind of hilarious actually and you just form those bonds with people um there are people that were in my field training flight that are at my current base that i see regularly and we still talk about those moments and just laugh um there's little things like that like you know sort of finding those rare opportunities to take yourself out of the training mindset think man like all it is is yelling and marching and screaming and sweat and think about like this is actually kind of hilarious you know or this is i'm i'm sitting here in the in the mud or something with my brothers and sisters next to me and we're gonna look back and have like really fond memories of this so uh honestly everything could be a, a positive memory I, when i think about rtc i don't remember the negative stuff i just remember stuff sucking and then it being really funny to remember how much it sucked, you know. So moving on from ROTC life and into your general career and general leadership, can you explain more about your job and what what's it what its responsibilities entail? Yeah. So I'm at Buckley's Space Force Base. Um, you know, they stood up the Space Force. Was it last year? Um, and I transitioned from the Air Force to the Space Force. Um, I was a 13, or I'm still a 13 Sierra, but I was a 13 Sierra for the Air Force, which is space operations. Um, at Buckley, we operate a satellite system that's used for global missile warning. Um, so basically, we have a network of satellites around the globe that can detect IR signatures, infrared signatures. Um, my job was to collect that data by either tasking where those sensors were looking on the world or it was to interpret the data and you know that displays on our system and say hey based off of the way that this um, infrared data is building or it's propagating this is probably this type of event and then i have to report that to certain people within certain time frames so that, you know, if there are people downrange of those missiles, we can get them sheltered or evacuated. Or, you know, if we're trying to detect the capabilities of an adversary, um, we can send those reports that, you know, go up to maybe eventually the, the SECDEF or the president and say, hey, you know, so-and-so country looks like they have this capability now. Um, so that's like the mission of Buckley. That's what I was doing for the past few years. And then I recently just switched over to the instructor shop where I'll be training the incoming people at Buckley to do the same thing. Sounds like a very interesting and difficult job that I personally know that I wouldn't be able to handle. But uh, I'm curious about, uh, you said that you transferred from the Air Force to the Space Force, but uh, even going further back, I guess this is sort of two questions, but how was the transition from being a cadet at Dick 60 to being a second lieutenant in the Air Force and then transferring from the Air Force to the Space Force? Uh, transferring from cadet to the Air Force was definitely a lot more stressful. 
uh, just because you're going into the unknown. I personally, like I said, I was born in California. I never lived outside of California. So moving to Colorado was a big thing for me. Um, and then, you know, sort of as you go through RTC, as I'm sure you guys understand, you kind of go like through these milestones, like, oh, I'm an AS100 and, you know, I'm nervous and I don't really know anyone or I'm learning a lot or, you know, a 250 where it's like it's my first year and I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and then by the time you're a 400, like, oh, you know, I'm top dog. I'm the I'm the coolest guy in school and I know everything. I've got it figured out. You go from that to being at the very bottom again and again, knowing nothing and everyone around you, know, everyone around you knows more and they're using acronyms that you don't understand and they're telling you to go to buildings that you can't find and it's all this kind of stuff. Um, so it was stressful and just that it was a lot of change at once. Um, but surprisingly, active duty in some ways is a lot like ROTC in that the people are really great and they're, they're there to help you. Um, it doesn't take anything to say, you know, hey, I'm looking for this or, you know, I've been told to go get that. Would you happen to know where this is? Ask any stranger and they'll be like, oh yeah, let me, let me take you to that room or to that building or something like that. Um, so just the, the climate in active duty made the transition easier. But again, just, you know, be prepared for a lot of sudden change. Um, it's very manageable. It's very doable. And after, you know, a month, it'll start to feel like home and you won't even, you know, you'll be so familiar with everything and everyone there that it, it bec they become family almost immediately. But, um, you know, it is a it is a shock. So just brace for that. As for switching to the Space Force, to be honest, it was more so just logistics. Um, find some forms, do some ceremonies, swear in again. I had to redo my oath. Um, but then I'm doing the same job that I was. <laughs> and Buckley Air Force Base became Buckley Space Force Base. My job didn't change at all. I just had to get like new name tapes and stuff. Can you tell us about any deployments that you've been on recently? So I haven't ever been on a deployment. Um, unfortunately, Space Ops doesn't get to deploy very often. Um, a few people will go. And so we might have, you know, two or three people in a squadron of maybe 300 deployed at a time. But it's, it's not like other units or like, you know, an army where an entire unit will deploy at once. Um, space Ops doesn't deploy very often, at least not at Buckley. Um, what we do instead is a deployment in place, which is kind of just like what it sounds like. You just, you're at Buckley, um, and for this extended period of time, you can't like leave base or like, or not leave base, you can leave base and go home, but you can't leave the local area or, you know, you can't take leave or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and that's largely because for space operations, you're operating um, equipment that is stationary. So that could be a massive radar system or, you know, like Buckley, it's like all of, you know, this network that operates a satellite system. It takes a whole base to do that. So you can't take that and move all that equipment downrange and operate it. Uh, it's just not logistically feasible. So instead, it's just, hey, you have to be here for these six months um and you're just gonna work obviously a lot safer than deploying but yeah i don't have any personal like downrange or out of the country deployment experience 
Very, very interesting. Uh, can you tell me uh, when you were promoted to the rank of first lieutenant and any specific steps or things you went through to reach that promotion? Uh, yeah, first lieutenant is the easy one. Um, I, did, I promoted in just this August, beginning of August, um, and it's just two years in. So from second lieutenant to first lieutenant, it's just being active duty for two years. Um, there are some things that can sort of inhibit that. So, you know, don't get like a DUI, don't fail your PT tests, um, stuff like that. As long as you're taking care of like the very, very basic stuff, um, you're going to promote just from time in. And it's the same for first lieutenant to captain. Uh, after captain is where you have to start going to promotion, or not promotion boards, but that's when the selection is a little more, um, I guess you could say intentional, where they're looking at your performance reports that you get every year and your awards packages, and they're pretty much seeing who you are and how you're doing as an officer um, before they give you that promotion. Yeah, for these first two, it's just two years in. Um, what do you think are some essential traits or characteristics that a good leader should have in the Air Force? Uh, that's a really good question. There are a few that I think are probably most important. One is just sort of like, it might be two in one, but it's patience, but also just like a willingness to learn and you know just be patient about it or just be patient about all things probably is probably my number one um just because like i was sort of saying at the, at the beginning when you join active duty and you finally like commission you're going to be the least knowledgeable person at the base you know everyone's going to know where everything is um how to find the right forms where to go how to do the job um your rank alone doesn't really grant you significance. You know, like you have to understand that there are going to be people on that base, regardless of rank or position, that know how to do things better than you do. They know where to find things easier than you can. Um, so you just need to be humble and accept that and go in with an open mind and say, hey, I'm here to learn. Um, that's really what your job is as a second lieutenant. Um, just be humble. Just be humble and ready to learn um because people are going to know how to do things better than you can so don't try to flex and be like oh i'm you know i'm a lieutenant look at me or whatever or you know any sort of position i imagine generals are i mean i know for a fact generals still consult chiefs and other generals and colonels and people that are retired um for guidance and information so you know just be humble stay learning um but also discipline is a big one. And I feel like that's really easy to do, but it's sometimes, I guess it's easy to assume too, that like, oh, if I'm going in the military, that's just always, everyone's gonna have that. But you'll be surprised. I mean, the military is just a sample size of the overall population. And so you're going to find issues that arise in the military that you would find outside of the military. And it's not exclusive. Um, so one way to sort of mitigate those sort of issues arising and to just free up time so that you can deal with them when they do arise is to just handle yourself accordingly. Um, don't get slipped up with, you know, 
DUIs or like drug use, don't fall into like financial problems. Or if you are having financial problems, make sure you communicate that because that alone is not a problem. Not getting help for it is a problem. Um, PT is a big one, um, especially as an officer. The lenience for you know failing a PT test or something like that is very low. It's not um, comparable to the lenience that the enlisted get at all. Um, and those are all things that are just so easy to manage um, if you're deliberate about it. So I'd say that's my number two is focus on yourself, wear your uniform correctly, uh, have good work conduct, take care of your PT, take care of your medical stuff and your finances and your family um, so that when the real issues arise, you're not bogged down with all these little problems and instead you can focus on the task at hand. All right, those are some very helpful tips and information. Thank you for that. Uh, earlier, we discussed about some of your favorite memories in Dead Six Seat. I was wondering, do you have any favorite memories or moments of active duty? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said earlier, active duty or meeting people in active duty is very similar to how it was meeting people in RTC. And so a lot of my favorite memories on active duty are just going out with the friends that I've made out here. Um, but I'd say work-wise, the biggest thing is when, uh, and maybe I'm just like sappy or something, but it's when people, especially the people that, um, I'm supervising or I'm managing when they express gratitude for the work that I'm doing to try to support them, uh, it makes me feel really good. I, I think back on those moments very fondly, um, cause I don't think any leader or person in a leadership position should be doing things for acknowledgement or to get noticed. Um, if you're going to help people, just help people and don't do it for the thank you or for the awards or for the bullets or anything like that. So that's kind of how I operate. So when my airmen or my guardians notice that and they go out of their way to, you know, say thank you or express their gratitude, it's really impactful for me. Um, for example, during COVID, one of my airmen was promoting to sergeant, and you have to go to this course called uh, ALS, which is just, you have to do it to become an NCO. And just due to social distancing, he was only allowed to invite one guest, and it could either be a family member or a person, any person from his unit. His family wasn't able to go because they lived across the country. So out of the entire squadron, he asked if I would go. I thought that I was super just like humbling and uh, I was grateful for it. You know, I've had moments where I might not have been at work a certain day and, you know, in the missile warning realm, there's a lot of stuff going off. And there's a lot of activity and I come back and my airmen are like, oh man, like if you were here, it would have been different. Like we wish you were here. Um, stuff like that. Just knowing that my airmen know that I'm constantly trying to help them and take care of them. Those are, hands down, the fondest memories I have uh, about active duty. It's just knowing that I am a piece of making the Air Force or the Space Force um, a hospitable place for everybody so that then they could go on and do the same thing. Um, before we uh, close up this podcast, I actually had a follow-up question to something that you said before. 
I was curious about in regards to your experience as a leader and a manager in the Air Force, what do you think um, was the best tool or um, value that Air Force ROTC gave you to prepare you for active duty? And what do you think is something that Air, Air Force ROTC did not prepare you for in active duty? Uh, yeah. So I'd say start off with the good stuff. One thing that it definitely prepared me for is to just have a positive and like a, an impactful work ethic, being able to juggle a lot of things. As we spoke about earlier, you know, there's college and PT and RTC and jobs and, you know, applications and internships and all this stuff is always going on during your ROTC time during those four or five years or what have you. Um, and it's difficult to juggle just being, you know, objective. That's a lot of stuff. You know, some people struggle doing just one of those and the average cadet is doing, you know, three to five of those. Um, so in ROTC, you really learn how to manage your time effectively that you can accomplish goals. So I think just having someone or like an organization require me to be good at that gave me the skills to then do that on active duty to where now, you know, if I'm given an abundance of tasks, it's not difficult for me to parse out how I'm going to do it. And I don't get stressed because um, you'll often see people get one thing and they're like, oh my gosh, this is just so overwhelming. And, you know, they're running around the office and they're stressed out and they're high strung and all this stuff. But then you look at it, it's like, oh, it's actually very easy to resolve. It's just do this, 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 and this. Um, in that order. And that's something that ROTC taught me. Like, everything is a GLP when you think about it. It's just, this is the problem. Here are your resources. How are you going to make these resources, you know, resolve that problem? So ROTC was great for that. Um, one thing that it might not have prepared me for, and obviously some of this ownership comes on myself as well, is just acknowledging that not everything is as serious as we sometimes make it out to be like, yes, of course, it's important to get a field training slot. If you want a rated position, you know, you got to take all those tests. You got to make sure you're on top of your stuff. That's all very significant. That's important, but nothing is that serious. You know, your health is serious. Your mental health is serious. Your relationships with the people around you and your family. Those are just the serious things. And those are the things that matter. Um, and I'd say that during ROTC, I became convinced that no, only work is serious. I always have to be on it. I have to be perfect. I have to be flawless and you know, this, that, and the other. I have to check all of these boxes. And something that I wish I would have learned sooner is to just pause, take a breath, you know, step outside of the situation for a second and look at it from you know, outside of yourself. I think, is it that big of a deal? You know, and even if it if I fail at it, what happens? You know, there's always an outcome. Like uh, issues are never permanent. It's not going to last forever. Even the stress that you feel right now that just seems so insurmountable, and there's all these things. You have so many steps until graduation and commission. That's not permanent. It's a fixed amount of time, a fixed amount of problems that if you just knock them out in order over that time, it'll resolve. So just. Uh, yeah, something that I wish that I would have understood more or maybe RTC could have helped me learn sooner is to just take it easy. Um, don't freak out about that stuff, you know, and 
live your life, meet good people, take care of people. Like that's really all there is to any job, you know, military or not. Just, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're living a life that feels like it's actually helping you grow and be happy, not just a source of stress. Yeah. All right, definitely some great advice. And uh, just to follow up on that, and this will be our last question. Uh, do you have any advice for the Dead Six Cadets uh, in general, and also maybe for some Crosstown Cadets, since you said that you were a Crosstown Cadet, or any cadets who are looking into your specific AFSC? Uh, yeah, it'd probably just be along the same lines of just, just relax, you know, work hard, do your best. If, at the end of the day, you did your absolute best without question, like no doubt in your mind that you tried your absolute hardest and you didn't make it, then at least you can look back and say, it was nothing more that I could have done. You know, I employed all of my resources. Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Um, what other opportunities are there for me? As long as you're doing your best, I would say worry less about the outcomes because usually one will facilitate the other. So if you're doing your best, you're probably going to succeed in it anyway. Just focus on that. Um, and also, again, don't be afraid to reach out to people and make friends, make those connections, because that's what makes all of it worth it. Um, you know, the commission, the rank, those are obviously super important. That's what we're all working towards. But it's the people that actually matter. Um, you guys might have heard the expression. I'm not sure if I heard an RTC or not. It's uh, mission first, people always. So you want to take care of the mission, obviously, because that's what we're employed to do. But you need to always be thinking about your people. Um, and part of that is forming those connections and those relationships at every opportunity that you can. And that starts in ROTC. As for people wanting to get into space, um, I think the Space Force still really wants people. So if you put 13 Sierra on your, um, on your rack and stack of AFSCs, You'll probably get it i think but uh yeah it's not too hard it's not as it's also not as um i don't want to say not as difficult but it's you know it's not as intense as it might sound um if you wanted to do it you can definitely do it uh they train you here you don't have to come into space like knowing everything about satellites and you know operating systems and all that stuff they teach you all of that in-house so all you have to do is show up ready to learn and uh make it all right well thank you first lieutenant torian divertolo for sharing your experiences and advice with us and our audience today it was a pleasure speaking to you and hearing from you and thank you all for tuning into this episode of sound off leadership lessons with the airmen of troy our music today was mixed by cadet rohit menon make sure to follow us on youtube instagram and facebook at airmen of troy and check out our website at airmenoftroy.org we hope you enjoyed hearing from Versus and Torian Di Bartolo as much as we did. And remember, sound off and fight on. <laughs>